Hello and welcome to Rocket, Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is sponsored by Away and Blue Apron. I'm Simone de Rochefort, video producer at Polygon.com, and I'm joined as always by Christina Warren, senior writer at Gizmodo, and Brianna Wu, head of development at Giant Space Cat and House of Representatives candidate 2018. <laughs> I keep wanting to say Senate. You got it. I actually, I have a a really (laughs) important request for you guys today, which is that I have had something in my eye since I woke up this morning (laughs) and I, I need you over the course of the show to try your best to make me cry Okay, because it's driving me up the wall. And I, someone just told me right before we started recording, Oh, you should cry to get it out. And now I'm going to be spending the next hour that we're recording just thinking, I can't wait till we're done here so I can, like, queue up some sad YouTube videos and make myself cry and get this thing out of my eye. I've looked. I've peeled back all sorts of eyelids. I've poked. I've prodded. I've, I've, like, squeezed. I cannot get this thing out of my eye. So you, you need you need some Sarah McLaughlin like uh, uh you know poor animal videos. Oh, <laughs> and do I really want it to be such a cheap cry though? Like, can I have a quality cry? I mean, that's a quality cry. Sarah McLaughlin is great. She's Canadian yeah, those, and she's wonderful. But yeah, I know. Those commercials I, you're right, are just you're right. so. Ugh, you're right. On. They are. They are. They're. They're the worst. You're not. You're not wrong. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to be positive here. Trying. trying you're to right. Think of you're right. I mean, I wish I'd lived in New York. I would bring you like I've got prescription eye drops that just numb your eye. Like oh, completely wow. numb your eye, and then that will just stop. It will all go away. And oh, it will now be that's amazing. an idea. I probably could have like left my home at any point and uh, gone to some sort of professional at some sort of pharmacy. But no, that would have been good. No, no. Maybe they could Don't poke be my eye. Smoked. You get drugs. You get prescription drugs from a friend, which is the way healthcare works in America. You know I was going right. to say, especially now. I mean, that's that's really the the real secret behind all of it. Yeah, it's the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which of you will make it to my house with eye drops first? Tonight on Rocket. <laughs> we record on the road as Christina oh, and Brianna race, race to Simone's house. <laughs> so, so, okay, we're, we're, we're starting the show a little crazy. We've got like a light news topic today. So, Simone, I have to give you a hard time about this weekend. Yeah. I have to give you a hard time about this weekend because... Like, I was in D.C., and you were in D.C., and I went to the most awesome club there, and you didn't. Like, you stayed home, and I just, I feel like you missed the whole party. I feel like you missed a lot of fun. Typical millennial Simone. Yeah. Avoiding a party. Uh, Let me tell you my mistake, which was, uh, it it began, uh, in fact, on thursday night when i got scared of a murder show and didn't sleep and then it repeated itself on friday night when i again became scared of ghosts and had to sleep with the light on and like didn't go to bed till like three in the morning and then woke up super early to go in on the train to dc it continued when i ate for the total of the day of saturday of the march i ate exactly two Nutrigrain bars. So by mm-hmm. the time oh God. I got back, the march ended and I got on a train to go find food somewhere out of the central DC area. I literally was so nauseous and had the most pounding headache that I, if I had set foot in a club, I would probably have vomited all over you, I guess, being the closest person right? to me, as right. of course you would be by yeah. my side yeah. as my friend and supporter. Um, yes. So, while I was very, very sad to see your messages about how great and cool the club was, 
I was yes. also in the process of staring down an enchilada and wishing that I could eat it <laughs> without getting more nauseous wow. <laughs> okay. than okay, I already was. Let's yeah, back up a there's second. There's a lot of layers. There, there's yeah. a, there's, there's Mistakes were made. Now, I fully admit uh, to that. Okay, like, first of all, I mean, the, the being scared of the crime shows thing, I get it. it that's fine. Um, let's let's talk about the fact that you only had two Nutrigrain bars during the yeah. entirety of the march. What the hell, Simone? What? I had to give What's the rest up? of my snacks to my friends who also had no food. Oh. Why did you guys go without sustenance? What the hell? Right. The lines were so long for the food trucks. You planned ahead. This yeah, is exactly. I brought Soylent down there. I did plan yeah. ahead. I brought a bunch of snacks, and then I had to give them to my friends. Yeah, that's uh, not an excuse. So I, yeah, I I had water with me. I had Soylent I did have bars. water. I had, I had water. everything. Yeah, had to uh, give that away I just, too. <laughs> I have to tell you guys the story. So, like, as I was like marching through the streets, like you know. I end up, um, you know, part of it was through some of uh, DC's most awesome neighborhoods. And I run into, you know, one of my first job out of college was working in politics in DC. And uh, I'm like walking out and this guy's coming out and I'm like, and I know him. I'm like, oh my God, hey, I'm using a fake name here, uh, Todd. You know, wow, I haven't seen you since you used to work at the uh, RNC. What's up? And the thing about Todd is Todd was such a closet case when we were working at the RNC. So like he was so scared of being outed that he would like just completely hide vast parts of his life. And then like the gay Republican fundraisers would come into town. Like he'd take them to all the clubs with uh, rent boys and stuff. Oh my God. So, so yeah, I'm like, Hey, what's up? Are you finally out of the closet yet? What's going on? And he just looks at me and he looks at the ground. <laughs> he looks so sad. Oh. And it was just the saddest thing. Cause I haven't seen him since 2000 and freaking two. And I'm like, oh, my God, you poor closet queen soul. You have been crushed for 13, 14 years now. That is so sad That for is you. so freaking depressing. All right, yeah. Todd. Ugh. Why, Todd? Like, well, that's sad. That's that a sad time. story. Yeah. You're not making me yes. cry yet, though. I, uh, and then was a, his an puppy attempt. was taken from him on the street, no, Simone. And, yes. <laughs> hey, I was just being mean. Yeah. Man, did you went to the march in New York, right, Christina? Yes. Cool. I guess we should just go into the first topic of the day. <laughs> Let me be a today. really good best host show. today. Let yeah. me be the best that I have ever been. Uh, it's actually quite a good segue because we're going to talk about uh, the New York Times report that Donald Trump is still using his Samsung Galaxy S3, his Ooh. personal phone, yeah. as his phone to do the things that one does with the phone, such as calling text and tweets. Um, so I well, we think it's a Samsung Galaxy S3. Like from pictures, that's our guess. Yeah, we that's don't our guess. know for we sure. Yeah, yeah, we don't know. We know that he uses Samsung, but we don't know exactly what model. And then based on photo analysis that different Android fan sites have done, it looks like it's an S3. Uh, we know that it's older, and and we know what we do know for sure is that it does not have the security on it that Barack Obama's Galaxy S4 mm -hmm. had, and that other like that that was the phone he was allowed to use. You may recall the big deal when he was elected in in two thousand eight was he was like i want my blackberry and they were like hold <laughs> no, on man and so they got him a blackberry but it was like 
ultra secure, like he couldn't have apps on it or anything. And then they finally, they took the BlackBerry away from him and gave him um, a Galaxy S4 that has like a fortified version of Android that has like all of the like NSA and like FIPS protection stuff that, you know, like is the most hardened thing you can get. And that's why you have like a phone from like 2013 Mm-hmm. in 2016 being used so but i think as far we all as, became but, super conscious this year of how big an, an issue this is for for people who work in government i did not yeah. realize until like the, the oh. election cycle and when hillary clinton was grilled for having not used uh, a, a, a government server how just how um far they go to secure these devices and in the gizmodo yeah. write-up um your coworker Hudson Hongo talks about how it's it's basically a brick that can only do the things that uh, the official needs it to do. Exactly. It is completely disconnected and secure. Yeah, it, 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 it's a useless brick. And so you, you don't have apps on it. Like like Obama's phone didn't have apps on it, you know, and like he he went on. Uh, it was either Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon and like made fun of how crappy his phone was. He was like, yeah, I can't do anything yep. with that. Like the first tweet that he sent, he had to use like a staffer's <laughs> iPhone, you know, because yeah. he didn't have Twitter on his phone. So it's interesting that it, according to The New York Times, you know, uh, our our new president, um, who you know made a very big deal about you know how important security is, and and who was famously not a computer user. Like we used to have a running joke. Uh, Matt Novak, a senior writer at Gizmodo, had like a running joke. Like has Donald Trump ever used a computer? And and we ended up finding out yes, he has. But he's even gone on record like he doesn't like computers. He prefers to you know either dictate his tweets or um, you know have other people do things for him. He doesn't use email. Um, but, but it's it's sort of problematic that. The phone that he's using is uh, from 2012. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I looked up like, you know, Samsung Galaxy S3 and like security flaw. And I saw so many freaking articles about this. I mean, you know, stage fright, you know, the, yep. the thing that really caused uh, Android to up their security game where you can like basically hijack a phone with a text message. You know, uh, you know this is uh, at least uh, from the reporting I saw, like they didn't even repair it for that phone. No. And even no. then, it's assuming that he's going to go through and do that update. So, and, and it would also, yeah. we don't know who his carrier is, and you, he's not yeah. getting the up- So, let's say Samsung had issued updates and they didn't. Yeah. You know, in this case, it's provisioned by his carrier. We don't know who his carrier is, and 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 mm-hmm. so there's a lot of open questions about what phone he's using and how can stuff be intercepted. And that's, I mean, mm-hmm. look, if we could be guaranteed that literally the only thing he's using the phone for is te- is tweeting. I mean, okay, fine, um, but. Because uh, there, there are plenty of other provisions, you know, if that's all it's for, all right, fine. But like, can we trust that? I, I don't, I don't know if no, we can. Not well, even and then, then in the Gizmodo you can piece. take and then go. Yeah, you can take the phone and then go root it at that point, you know, so someone could get his phone like a staffer for just a minute, go root it, and then you can use one of these third-party programs. So always track his location. You can turn the microphone yeah. on mm-hmm. remotely. So great, even great then, point. it's not safe. Yeah, yeah, great point. I hadn't even thought of that. That's a fantastic point. Yeah. Sorry, what were you saying? No, someone? I was going to say that that exact thing. There's a quote uh, actually to back you up from a, a senior NSA official talking to NBC about how adversaries can turn on the mic, for example, which obviously is a really bad thing if that is a phone that he happens to be carrying around on him. So is the I was surprised reading this to find out a that someone with that much money has such an old phone. But I guess you kind of answered that question for me by saying he's not really into technology and 
okay. And then the exactly. reason – I mean, I have to think that's the rationale is that, you know, a lot of people, like older people especially, they get the thing that they like. Yeah. And then they don't want to – they don't want to upgrade. Upgrading. Yeah. Not everyone is as cool I as my mean, mom. I mean, if you're on a military base, they sell very specific versions of iPhone that have mm-hmm. been disassembled and had the cameras taken out of them just right. so, like, military personnel can't – photograph secrets and then get them out of the base like these are these are precautions that you know um you know the the military follows and you know even people with security clearance end up following so you know for trump just to give a big old presidential thumb in the eye over this it's you know this isn't a partisan issue this is a national security issue yeah i mean i think especially when you when you think about like how much you know he's talked about you know cyber is important the cyber (laughs) cyber, exactly it's just very important to me i mean it just opens up a a, like like you said like i think a lot of questions about like this would not be acceptable under anyone else and then you know staffers are basically saying you know to new york times like well we can't take his phone away from him well i mean but but you can you know you have to you you can you can you can kind of say actually mr president um this is not secure to use if you insist on tweeting we're going to get you you know a fortified device that has the twitter app on it or whatever right. you know and, and you can tweet from this this can be your, your 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 tweet phone or whatever but no you're, you're you're not allowed to use your existing phone that is running software that hasn't been updated in years and that you know could be compromised to hell and back that's a security issue and we're not going to allow it it's appalling to me and i'm not even surprised after the vitriol of this whole election cycle but it was such a huge freaking deal during the campaign government officials being careless and insecure with their devices. And now this comes out in this New York Times story where they they had edited it, actually. There was a mistaken edit that said he was using a new Android phone, and then they yeah. changed it back. Now, actually, he's using, a quote, an old, unsecured Android phone to the protests of some of his aides. Is that... Why, why is there no... So why are there no repercussions for this? Why is there no why are there no checks and balances, which is what our entire government is about? Literally the foundation of our government to make sure that these rules are being followed if it's such a freaking big deal that it became the number one issue of our election. We could like demote him to vice president for a week and then like if he follows yes. the rules, he, uh, yeah, he's allowed to come back. Yeah, no, you're dead on. Make him sell Girl Scout cookies. I don't care. (laughs) But, I mean, I think this speaks to a bigger bigger problem. You know, like, the truth is, like, our devices really are not a great fit for national security uh, situations in 2016. And, I mean, Christina, you may know more about this, but am I incorrect to understand that when it comes to meeting certain, like, basic security measures, and here I'm talking more about vulnerabilities than I am, um, you know, like, physical camera being removed and stuff, but am I not correct to believe that iPhone is relatively a more secure platform that is more successful with government operations? It depends. They have various contacts with various agencies. So, you know, they do have certain FIPS certifications for iPhone. There's certain FIPS certifications for certain versions of Android. BlackBerry actually does decently for for certain things. You know, they they have, you know, certain certifications on, on BlackBerry 10 devices. And BlackBerry 10 is dead for consumers, but it's still being maintained primarily for certain secure 
you know, governments, and, and that includes the United States. But yeah, in, in general, you know, there have been, the, the United States has won more and more contracts with various U.S. agencies over the years for those reasons. And most of the time how, you know, um, the disabling the camera, whether it's physically removed or, or done in software aside, you know, a lot of what happens is is through, you know, like third-party, like MDM, um, you know, multi-device management software, where they will, you know, really lock down different things. But when it comes to just in general, the way the iPhone out of the box is set up versus Android, yes, it tends to be more secure. But in any event, whether it's it's iOS or Android, you know, Samsung has a, a thing called Knox, and and uh, there there's some other you know like third party solutions. Cisco works on various things. They can basically you know harden the software on top of that. So. Huh. But, but 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 I mean yeah I mean it, at this point uh, the the government and the army have both been very big you know iPhone buyers and and in fact you know there was there were stories you know throughout the years that basically the government was getting rid of their BlackBerry fleets and were replacing them with iPhones instead. Um, but hmm. when you're talking about the upper upper echelon of like the most secure stuff, there are very very few phones. Like I think before the S4. There was a phone that I I think it was running in version of Symbian actually that that was considered like the only one that was like smartphone that was like capable of, of being you know the, ha- having having the highest clearance stuff. Huh. Um, but um, that's not to, I, so I, I, and I don't know the the status of you know getting the iPhone secured so that it could be used you know by a president or whatever. Um, but um, definitely other agencies use it. Sure. I was I was looking at some bugs, uh, you know, running for Congress. Cybersecurity is a very large part of my platform, and I was looking at this issue this week. And you know, like, even there's no way to truly secure or, or 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 say any device is you know truly secure. Like I was looking, you know, like um for a Mac, it has File Vault two, and what happens is you know your data on the disk is encrypted with a key that changes every single time. And like if you reboot, it's going to do that. And there was a an exploit bug they found on Android where basically. Um, it doesn't completely re-encrypt the disk before the phone goes into a sleep mode. It can be um, basically exploited to read anything on that phone just by popping it open and bypassing all security and looking at the file, uh, you know, just actually looking at the file structure inside the phone. So, you know, even, and this was with like past versions of Android and it's just like a massive vulnerability that's right there. So yeah, the truth is none of these devices are super secure. If you're really holding yourself to the highest standards, you're you're gonna have to go outside of consumer devices. It's just yeah, a fact. definitely. Well, exactly. And, and as I said before, I mentioned BlackBerry, which is a company that is really no longer a consumer company, but they do still make secure software, and they will fortify their own software for those use cases. And 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 I think they're even working, you know, with a. Uh, with, with Samsung on their on their Knox product, but yeah, you're right. I mean, basically, it it comes down to, to third parties having to fortify these consumer phones, and that's why the phone that President Obama was using was an S4. Um, and part of the reason it took so long is because you'll, you'll get the phone, and they'll need to to prepare prepare the software and go through all the testing and go through all the validations, and that can take months, even years. And they have to do it for that specific device and that specific hardware, that specific software. And it's not the sort of thing that can go from one version to the next. So you have it fortified for one specific phone. You've got it for all the regulations and you're done. And then, you know, you have to, you know, start the start the process all over again for a different, more modern model if you want. But it's not, you know, the, the concern in those sorts of highly, highly secure environments is not, again, you know, it's not about being able to use the phone like, 
a communications device the way we do as consumers or the way, you know, most people even in like government would use it. it it's, you know, specifically to receive maybe enc- encrypted email, encrypted messages, whatever, and that's it and, and make, you know, secure phone calls. It wouldn't be, you know, something that you would be using the same way we use our phones. Y'all are doing your best to make me cry. Now I'm just scared. <laughs> I'm going to be quivering in fear over here. I mean, just to, before we move on, Christina, I mean, but am I not correct to believe that, like, that President Obama's phone then, assuming SMS still worked, like, that I would still SMS be vulnerable? I believe SMS did not work. Yeah, I'm pretty work. sure it didn't work. I'm pretty sure okay. he could they not send text it's, messages. Uh, it's incapable of texting. Oh, okay. Well, then that would be an exception, but, like, something like stage fright or some sort of vulnerability like stage fright, you know, that might still, you know, exist after the fact. But I guess that's that's why they're disabling SMS, because then it's a hack that doesn't require, like, physical access to the phone, right? Exactly, so, exactly. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, whatever sorts of communications they're doing, whether it's, you know, making phone calls or, or receiving emails or whatever, they're, they're doing what they can to, you know, protect it as much as possible. But they're trying to close whatever loops, and obviously SMS would be a massive one. Could the existing, the presumed Galaxy S3 be physically altered in a way where it could only be used for tweeting and um probably not probably not that model i mean again like i said i think the the process that they go through to certify these things you know can take years you know to get all the software the way they want it to do and if they've already have a certain model and they already have the provisions done the easier the much easier solution would be to just hand them that phone and even then though i don't think that twitter would be an app that would ever be allowed (laughs) because again you know the the communications the the stuff you're sending across you know they would have to every line of code i'm thinking of his needs and desires yeah like, and and, and, I, and I i genuinely don't know you know like what the answer would be in terms of him getting um you know what he needs mm-hmm. um out of that i don't know hot fire tweets that's what this episode of rocket is brought to you by away away believes your luggage shouldn't cost more than your plane ticket and so they have made premium suitcases with fantastic features in multiple sizes all of them for under three hundred dollars of course big but you pay more for a bigger size you pay less for a smaller size but the smallest size which is what i have which is called the carry-on is actually a fantastic size i've had it for a little while i actually have an unboxing video that i'm going to try to put up um i I filmed it just holding my camera in first person um but so this suitcase is very cool it's got a a hard body Uh, i chose a dark blue color and it charges your devices so if you know me, you know that I am a cheap person. So I, I was unaware of the existence of suitcases that could charge your phone. And I got this suitcase and I opened it up and I, I was like, oh, that's that's cool. Like they gave me a little uh, a, a wall plug and a cord in here. That's pretty awesome. And then I read the manual. I was like, hold the phone. And so there are three... <laughs> Under the uh, the handle that pulls up, there are three USB ports. You just it, you can charge your you charge charge your suitcase. You you charge it, and then you can plug your phone into the suitcase. And it's the carry on model, right? So like 
I'm in the airport and my phone is dying because I have the uh, iPhone 6S and I haven't gotten the battery replaced yet and there's a known issue. I can do it for yes, free, but I'm lazy and it's happening to me. It's <gasps> hap- My phone is dying, but it doesn't matter because I got this suitcase. So when my phone is about to die at 40% battery, which is a fun thing that happens, I could be like, no, my away suitcase, I'm just going to plug my phone into this and it, it can charge my phone. And a- according to this the words in front of my face right now, a single charge of the away carry-on can provide enough battery to charge your phone five times. Five times. And since I'm only charging it from 40%, <laughs> imagine how many times I could charge it. That's ridiculous. Wow. So anyway, wow. enough about my phone. More about this suitcase. So, so, yeah, go on. So this is what I want to know, Simone. Uh, I, I am embarrassed to say, like, I'm having to upgrade everything. Like, I have to upgrade the way, like, my hair care, like, running for Congress, the way I dress, everything. And I was going to the Women's March, and I've still got the 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 crappy bag that I was using in college. And that's the one I'm stuck with. And it's got duct tape on it. And, like, it's just, it's falling apart. I've actually, the wheels have, like, cracked. Wow. And I've gotten a hot glue gun and, like, hot glued them back together and then put epoxy all over the outside because I just didn't want to replace this back. Like, can I, is this fashionable enough? Like, will I be respected? Like, if people see me with this bag, will they go, that's a woman I could vote for for Congress? My answer is yes. So when I first saw these, they're very, um, they're stand-up bags. They're vaguely a soft rectangle shape is how I would describe it. And they come in dignified colors there's a black one which i'm sure you'd love there's the dark blue one which i have it's very dignified dark blue there's kind of a a a forest or hunter green there's beige and then a gray and then a white um so there it it looks like a classy freaking bag like i feel like a business person when i use it and for you i think one of the coolest things about it is that it actually has a tsa lock on it so oh. uh, it unzips around the side and the zippers, the, the zipper tabs actually push into a TSA lock on the top of the bag. And then you just wow. pull this tab and it pops off. Uh, it, it pops open like the zippers pop out and then you can pull the tabs. But other than huh. that, they're stuck there. So like, A, the zipper won't accidentally open. B, you can lock it. Um, and if you don't know what a TSA lock is, it's a lock that has, you know, a number combination. You set the number combination yourself, but there's a key that can only be opened by um, a t- kind of key that, well, a, a hole that can only theoretically be opened by TSA um, officials who have a special thingy mabob. Security is great. And it comes with a removable washable laundry bag inside it. And that's my thing. I'm the person who hoards plastic bags. And then I always take one with me when I go on a trip because I'm like, I got to put my dirty clothes in there. This has a bag rolled up inside the bag. So that was a cool thing to, to discover for me personally. Um, and it's got, a, it, it's a good size, I think, because it's so firm. Um, and it's got a handle up top. This is the kind of thing where I think I could like lift it easily to pull it through, like to, to carry it through a subway turnstile, which is something that would happen to me on the way to the airport. Um, and it, it's not soft so you won't be like struggling with it. Like you can get a good, you can get a good grip on it and it won't be awkward and like falling all over the place. Like, um, like duffel bags do when they're upright. Um, and it's got four wheels on it. I've spun it around. There's a video that I'll post of me spinning it around on my kitchen floor, because that's of course something that's crucial when you're testing products. Um, so you can roll it through the streets of New York or you can pick it up and carry it, whatever you or the streets of wherever you live 
good person. So anyway, um, I will actually – I'm going to bring this to Texas with me probably in – when I go in April. And I'll, I'll give it a, a run – a run for its money. <laughs> so there is a lifetime guarantee on this bag. If anything, anything breaks, they'll fix or replace it for life. And they have a hundred hundred day trial. So I definitely uh, would try it out. The the freaking it, it's carry on size. You don't have to worry about it. You know, getting rejected from from the being carried on to the plane where you go. So. Personally, I think it's an awesome bag. Uh, you can check it out at awaytravel.com slash rocket and use the code rocket for $20 off. Uh, they also have retail stores in New York, LA, and London. But that was, again, awaytravel.com slash rocket. So thank you very much to Away for your support of this show and Relay FM. It's gorgeous. I'm definitely going to get one. Heck yeah. Check those yeah. bags yeah, it's out. It's affordable, too. <laughs> yeah. 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 Charges your phone. It charges it. I can't believe it. Okay, moving on. So, App Store updates. Uh, John Gruber writes on Daring Fireball. He actually, he talked to Apple about the some of the changes that are coming to the App Store, specifically reviews, which are that developers will only be able to ask you for a review three times a year. Um, and the average score still resets when the app is updated, but the review asking number does not reset. So you can still only be asked three times a year. Um, and I, I think that that's basically, that is the big change that is happening here. Uh, Brianna, as it, so he, John Gruber is very pro not asking for reviews. As I discovered when I read this, I was kind of, yes. eh on that because i i mean i i will admit that i am a person who is bad at leaving reviews but i'm also the person who after years of using instagram still presses maybe later every time it asks me for a review because i feel bad and i want to review it i feel like i mean reviews are really important i mean it's definitely important you know uh being featured in the app store is very very important you know one of the things with the app store is if you aren't featured by them, you effectively don't exist, uh, especially if you don't have a, a user acquisition, um, uh, you know, model to go with. I was, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not gonna tell you the property, but it's a really, really big property. And even though I'm running for office, I had a meeting today with someone that uh, they have this IP, and they were looking to bring it to the app store. Uh, with the game. And we were just talking budgets and stuff like that. And we had a really long, hard discussion about how nothing can guarantee that you're featured in the app store, which is whether you're going to succeed or fail. So yeah, reviews really, really matter. Um, I'm going to differ from John Gruber in the sense that yeah, like everyone else, this annoys me. Um, you know, Audible is an app I use all the time. It asks me all the time to leave a review. And I'm like, I don't want to do that because I like Audible and I have nothing good to say about this app <laughs> whatsoever. So it's it's important. Uh, is it really in like the top 10 things I would want from the app store? No, I think paid up upgrades are much, much, much bigger priority. But this is this is nice, and I think yeah. the way that they've gone away and implemented it makes sense. I yeah, mean, what I, do you think, Christina? I agree with you. I think it's maybe not the highest priority thing, but I think it's nice. I like the fact that they are limiting developers to three times a year period because 
now what a lot of people have done because they know the rankings matter, you know, they issue updates sometimes just to get just for another prompt for people to do the review. And that's frustrating because I've reviewed you once uh, sometimes and, and and to get it every single time. It's like, no, I, I don't want this every single time I update this app. I don't want to be told, you know, I, I you know, guilted into, into the review process. Um, but I, I think, um, so I think the three times a year thing is good. There's also going to apparently be a way where users can globally turn that off altogether. So you wouldn't be prompted at all. Um, and I think that that's, that's fair enough. But the thing that I think that does make sense is, is as part of this, finally developers are going to be able to respond to user reviews. Um, now, now it doesn't create a whole back and forth. It's not going to be a customer service solution. But if I write a review about it, I'm going to say, I really like the idea. I had this problem. The developer before had no way of reaching out to me, had no way of contacting me unless they independently collected information, um, wouldn't get anything. They would get bug reports, but they couldn't reach back out to me and, and do any troubleshooting. Now they could respond and say, Hey, I'm really sorry to hear that. I'm going to work on an, uh, on an issue, another update. Or, hey, actually, there's a workaround to do this. Um, now, again, you can't have a whole conversation. You can write one review and they can have one reply per review. But it does at least give them a way to follow up or at least say, hey, we've heard you. And the reviewer, you know, me, I could edit what I've written and and the, the developer could too. So that I'm actually more excited about than the, than the lack of... Um, you know, being um, harangued for reviews. I'm actually mm-hmm. more excited about, about the fact that finally developers have a way of responding to reviews. Yeah, that transparency, I think, is really important. And that that is a good change. I, I forgot about that part, which is really important because it, it is great to, I guess, have that, that back and forth, but then also, you know, within the professional environment of the App Store. Yeah, I definitely think that's it's a step forward. I mean, everyone's gotten those uh, unfair reviews. I certainly have, and you know, uh, I I think it's it's good because it can give you like a, a customer service point where you can contact people. Because think about from like a consumer's point of view, right? Like they're having trouble with this app. They get that notice all the time. Like, you know, leave us feedback in the app store. And that becomes where you bug report. You know, this becomes where you talk about problems. I experience this all the time on Twitter, right? Like people using my Twitter as like a, you know, a a software uh, support Mm -hmm. point. So, you know, it's it, it's fine, and I think it's a, a great step forward for Apple. Um, I think it's not the biggest story, but it's good to see them, uh, you know, creating a little bit more fairness for app developers. Three times a do, does three times a year seem too little to you, though? No. Okay. No. No, because uh, honestly, I how I mean, how many major updates? Because ideally, you should only be asking for a review every time you do a major update of your app. I guess the issue is this: uh, the issue of the the average rating, which is ch- or wiped every time the app is updated, right? So, yeah. hmm. I mean, it is. I mean, but a lot of times that can be based on other stuff. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like there, there's. You can pick and choose when you want to to do people for that, but I mean, I feel like you should be saving those moments for your really big updates, not every single time you do a minor update. You do also have that option when you want to look at reviews. You can say all reviews or current version. Mm. Like you tab back and forth with it. It used to be it wiped it all out. It doesn't do that anymore. So, you know, that's just the way the game is played. Uh, There are definitely more skillful ways Apple could do this. But, you know, 
this is this is so like WWDC tickets, this system, <laughs> that if you if you talk to the average developer about WWDC tickets, you're like, well, what, what system do you think is fairest? The system they are going to describe is the one where they win, right? right. Yeah. So the system is fairest is the one that gives them what they want. You know, some the App Store has a very large pool of developers working in it, many of different priorities. There's no one best solution. It's it's compromises. Uh, so I look at this, I see it's a solid way forward. It doesn't address every problem because nothing can address every problem perfectly. <laughs> right. You know, it's just the the way it's played. In your for in your experience, what has been your biggest gripe with the App Store? The the fact that uh, people can leave reviews based on a free version, we dealt with oh. that a lot after Gamergate. Uh, you know, the way we tried to be very faithful to consumers is with uh, Rev60 Vanilla. We let you play the first few minutes. Uh, I think it was like 15 minutes of the game, which is very generous of uh, the game free because we wanted to show people like, hey, we've got a really quality game here. And then Gamergate got their paws on it and that was a lot of fun. Uh, so, you know, yeah, that was, um, nice. you know, it's just people that with an ax to grind that can kind of go after your app. But, you know, that's just being a woman in 2017. So... <laughs> <laughs> Selling Girl Scout cookies, know, getting bad right? reviews yeah. on the app store. It's, it's awesome. It's great. <laughs> this episode oh. of Rocket is brought to you by Blue Apron, whose mission yes. is to make home cooking accessible to everyone while supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. No big deal. No big deal. It's fine. It's easy. They make it look easy by delivering boxes, neatly packed fine-sized boxes to your door and those boxes are full of fresh food fresh food ready to be put in your storage whatever you wherever you store a fridge a fridge probably to be cooked later in that week maybe that night maybe maybe some for for the next night as well i don't know how many nights you ordered for but you get to customize that you get to decide how many meals you're getting from blue apron that week on a week by week basis and for less than ten dollars per meal they'll deliver seasonal recipes along with those fresh high quality ingredients to make those delicious home cooked meals that you will enjoy with your family or or all by yourself all the food just for you only for you to enjoy but cooking is a community building thing that brings us together and so it's probably best enjoyed by you showing off your newfound cooking skills to your loved ones so that they will weep at your door and say please please cook for me the blue apron and you will say no this is my blue apron I bought it for myself. If you want to have Blue Apron delivered to your door, you can as well by going to blueapron.com slash rocket and getting three meals free with free shipping in that place. Finally, finally, are you gonna are, are, you, are you gonna get, get that thing out of your oh eye? Oh my god, it feels better. Oh my cry? god, oh my god. Oh wow. Oh my god. 
I can't it's believe a, a... that you both failed so much to make me cry that <laughs> I had to do it to myself. Oh. <sighs> so something Blue Apron has done lately that I really like is they've uh, completely revamped the instructions. Like a, um, a critique that I've heard from people is the preparation takes longer than uh, they said it would. Like sometimes it says, well, 15 minutes to prep, it takes 25. Well, they have, they've gone through and they've done like the, the Google time management thing to all the cooking recipes. So it no <laughs> longer tells you to like prepare all the ingredients separately when you start. It gives you this rolling start to it. It's like cook the water and now you're gonna have just a few minutes over here to prep this. And it helps you make it all faster because now you're just going through a straight list rather than like preparing all the ingredients and then starting. It specifically gives you breaks to go through and prepare all the ingredients. It gives you enough time to do it so nothing gets burnt. So that is really cool. Uh, And that's actually like, that's another thing that you learn. Like when you cook a lot or cook a specific recipe a lot is the exact way to prepare the ingredients and like, what, what can I do while this is cooking over here? It's really cool that they're incorporating that into the recipe cards. That is awesome. I like that. Well, if you would like to check out some of the Blue Apron meals that you could get delivered to you, once again, go to blueapron.com slash rocket. I'm seeing here chicken and black bean enchiladas with salsa verde and Monterey Jack cheese, and I want it. I'm seeing burgers and red cabbage slaw with creamy sriracha sauce and roasted sweet potato. I'll eat that. I'm seeing mixed mushroom and potato pizza with fontina cheese, spinach, and garlic oil. I wouldn't eat that because I hate mushrooms. But if you're a vegetarian, you probably like mushrooms and you probably love this freaking pizza. So good on you, vegetarian who likes mushrooms. (laughs) Blueapron.com slash rocket. Thank you. (laughs) Blue Apron. Do you know they grow mushrooms by like uh, getting entire caves and putting cow dung in them? You know, that happened to me in Stardew Valley. Yeah. It's true. That's how they do it. I make That's a lot of money off those farm. mushrooms. That's how they mass farm mushrooms. Interesting. I mean, all yep. I know, I, I, in, in um, pigs only find truffles, right? Like, they don't find regular mushrooms, they just find truffles? I don't even know what a truffle is. Is that I'm a truffle is like a expensive, It's like an expensive mushroom. Can pigs oh. only find truffles? You know, once I was at a restaurant in France, and we talked to the, the waiters who work there, and they were going to go out and go looking, go mushroom picking in the woods after work that day. And that's the most French thing that has ever happened to me, was just chatting <laughs> with this waiter and being like, yeah, I got to go out to the woods and find some. He loved, he loved to mushroom hunt. Um, there's a specific kind of truffle hog that's used for locating and extracting a type of tuber known as truffles from temperate forests in Europe and North America. They have a good sense of smell, and they're able to identify truffles from as deep as three feet underground. I think it might be like a, a, a drug dog deal, like where you train yeah. the, 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 the truffle it seems like to detect the truffles. I mean, that's what it seems like. Oh, Don't dear God, it is thought that the natural sex hormones of the male pig are similar to the smell of the truffles. Uh, well, that's <laughs> terrible, and I didn't want to know that. But that's pretty cool. I mean, I imagine pigs are smart. They can be trained to find all kinds of mushrooms if you wanted to find mushrooms that weren't truffles. But, like, truffles are the best, so. I actually like truffles. You like truffles but not mushrooms? Because I'm a rich... Uh, <laughs> never change. I don't know what's going on on our show anymore. Never I'm, change, I'm really Mo, confused. never change. <laughs> so... That's all I'm saying. 
Christina Warren uh, did the world a great service by testing two types of off-brand controllers that work with the NES Classic, which, if you remember, when I got to try it out, it was a good little product. Christina loves it. Brianna loves it. We are okay with its existence, except that the cord is so laughably short that it is a crime and they are being brought up before the United Nations as we speak for just, why did you do that? Why is the cord only two and a half feet long? It's freaking, you have to sit like right in front of your TV. It's, I think we, so at Polygon, we did a photo comparison comparing the NES classic cord with the um, cord on the original controller. It is so much shorter. It's like, I want to say five times. That's probably an exaggeration. Uh, that's an exaggeration, but it is significantly at shorter. Least I think two times. Uh, yeah, at least two times because it's like two and a half feet. It's like not even three feet. It's like two and a half feet. And I think the original one was probably six feet, maybe, maybe eight. But uh, yeah, it, it's foolish. It's very short. So you tested two controllers. Tell us about this battle of the machine of the controllers so and this is weird i'd actually had these for a while and i just i was busy with other stuff and didn't get around to it and then it's been slow um you know the last couple of weeks because nothing's really happened in the world of tech since ces um you know samsung explained why their batteries exploded but that was about it um and uh and so i tested one from um nico nico however you say them uh which is called the the, the mini boss it's twenty dollars um and then i tested one from a company called eight bit dough which is forty dollars and they both basically do the same thing they come with a little dongle that plugs into the nes classic and you then pair them with uh with the wireless controller and you play your games and um, I have to say, you know, um, the 8-bit dough one is twice as much money. But assuming you want to play your games wirelessly, it's probably worth it. It's, it's probably worth the extra dough. It's, um, it feels a lot more like the original NES controller in the hand. So I've got – and I have to say that the NES Classic Edition – did a very good job. Even the, the the length of the cord, notwithstanding, they did a really good job of replicating that original NES controller. It might be a tiny bit lighter, but it feels very much the same. You know, in the hand, mm-hmm. it has the same solid feel. Like the 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 directional pad and and, and the buttons feel the same. The eight bit dough, likewise, feels almost exactly like an original NES controller. The difference is that it has. X and Y buttons as well as left and right buttons on the top. So it could actually be used as a Super Nintendo controller. That's a little weird. And and so the buttons are a little bit offset. I think that might be, you know, uh, who knows if there's a copyright thing involved with that or not. I'm not sure. It's a little bit heavier than uh, than the Nintendo one um, that comes with the NES Classic Edition. So it actually feels even more like an original controller. It is, but, it, but it's the same size. So it's going to feel better in the hand, which is a term my editors refuse to let me use, um, but, 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 but 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 it does it does feel better That's in the accurate. hand. That's accurate. That's accurate. It, it is You're accurate. Just, yeah. Um, but so, but the, the difference is though, I guess between the two, the Nyko one actually re- paired faster with the NES Classic Edition. Like it paired really simply. Like you plugged in the dongle, you press the power button, it blinks. You're you're paired. You've got to actually press a tiny button on the the eight bit dough unit, and a couple of times. I had to press it even after a restart, which was sort of annoying. But mm. what makes the 8-bit duo one worth that is the fact that its receiver is Bluetooth. And so it'll work with not just 
um, the controller that it comes with, the, um, the NES 30, which they actually sell separately. But it will work with your uh, PlayStation 3 controller, your PlayStation 4 controller, your Wii controller, your Wii Pro controller, uh, Wii U Pro controller, and any um, of the mini 8-bit dough controllers or, or arcade sticks that are out. So if you have like you know a, a PS3 controller lying around and you really would prefer to use that with like for playing your classic games, you can do that. The controller itself... Also, because it's Bluetooth, you can use with your, you know, um, NVIDIA Shield or your iPhone or any other, you know, or, or your Mac or your PC or anything else that, that you know, supports Bluetooth because it is right. a Bluetooth controller. So to me, that makes it worth the the, the, the $40. The Nyko, um does I don't I don't know if it's Bluetooth. It must be. I, it says 30 feet, so it might be Bluetooth, but I, if it doesn't doesn't work with anything else, um, it uh. You can use it with the Wii U or the Wii with Virtual Console, so that's cool. The dongle will work with those systems, so that's cool. Uh, it feels a little bit cheaper, and, and it is. And um, the the directional pad is a little bit more mushy, so I don't love that. But like, if you're not a hardcore gamer and you don't want to blow forty dollars on a controller, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll blow forty dollars on a controller. I just yeah. I have one question for you, Christina yes. Ward. This is my deciding factor, and before. Before I ask this, I just have to complain that yet again, another week has gone by. I've tried to get an NES Classic, and I still can't do it. They're still selling for $200 on eBay and $130 used on Amazon, and I'm pissed about that. But my question for you is, you know, Christina, I grew up with these games, and just being completely straight with you, um, they are, even as someone that, you know, I beat Mega Man 2 as a child, it is really hard to beat as an adult just because yeah. games were so different back then. So Absolutely. back then we did it in the 90s, one tile at a time. That's how we did it. We'd go one tile across the screen and do it. But th- <laughs> these games are so hard to beat without save states. And I've not been able to figure that out. Like, so there is a way to save states of NES games if you get up and go over to the NES classic console or am I mistaken? So you can do that if you pay $40 for the controller. Well, if you pay $40 for the controller, you can do that. Or if you press the reset button on the console. So when you press the reset button on the console, it'll immediately save state wherever you were in the game and you can save it to one of your areas. And what you can do actually with the $40 one, which is nice is that by pressing down and select, it'll automatically trigger the reset button on the console. So you don't have to get up on your couch, which again, that to me makes it worth the extra money, right? Like at that point, it's never getting it from my couch. I'm I'm, I'm like, I'm so lazy. I don't have to do it. You down, down select works beautifully. Uh, But yeah, most, I mean, where how it works in the games, you know, obviously varies. But yeah, um, like for instance, if you're playing Mario, or if you're playing, you know, Zelda or, or whatever, hitting the reset button will take you to the main menu screen, and that will also come up with like a little save state thing. And each game allows you to have like four save right. points. So Simone, in Doctor Wily's Castle Stage Two, there's this thing where the blocks go and then they appear so you're jumping across this block one at a time as this dragon is chasing you and you will fail that 50 freaking times and the only thing i could think of that would make me lose my mind at this point is if i was trying to do that yeah i had to every time i failed that get up off the couch walk over to reset that that would just be the end of it so yeah like you or super c you would have to have that to beat super c today unless you're like really fluent in this game maybe if you were a true gamer 
Oh, thanks, Simone. Oh. Oh. Yeah, um, uh, fighting words. Well, the thing that, that makes it difficult, though, is that, like, okay, when the Super Nintendo came out, they released a game called Super Mario All-Stars, and that had all the Mario games, and that Love had, and, and that was actually the version that they used for Super Mario 3 for the Game Boy Advance. Anyway, in that one, you could actually, like, save at any point, and it would, like, be able to, like, no matter what level you were at, and you were fine. The way this works, I mean, you can definitely save your place, but your lives aren't going like. But but if you if you die, you then have to start all over again or reset and go back to that safe place. Whereas in the Super Nintendo ports, they would at least like let you start over like where you you died again or like from your last safe place. So yeah. that's so you you st- it still will take some 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 getting it done. But yeah, you the the, the save feature definitely makes it easier to, to beat those games. Okay. Okay. <sighs> so on the day when I guess you can order the controller now and you yeah, know the just controller have it available now. Wait. So yeah, once you finally get it, once you yeah they're available. Once you finally get it, you can be like, hey, what's up, guys? And how much is the the lesser one? The uh, twenty bucks. Twenty. So the twenty Nico and forty. Was, the Nico is twenty dollars. Twenty versus forty. Yeah. Both less um, than a normal controller. Like the most ridiculous part is I want the system when I have a real, I have several real NESs here and I have all the NES games for it. But like, I just, I want this for some reason. It's I so don't cute. understand. I think that's it. It's so cute. It's so cute and it's fun. And then there's just something about it. I mean, like if I had my original Nintendo, my, my uh, long lost friend, John Johnston actually has it. And uh <laughs> I, he and I have talked about it over Instagram a few times. I think I'm actually going to be like, look, how much is it going to cost me for you to send me my Nintendo and Super Nintendo? Yeah. I just want them back. Like, <laughs> yeah. you can ha- you can keep Mega, Met, uh, not Meta, uh, uh, Metal Gear. That That's the game that he wanted and loved. You can keep Metal Gear. That's fine. Um, I, I But I want the stuff. He's had him for 15 years. I think it's yeah. about time for me to get him back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where... Um, uh, if I had the originals, I would play that. But I, this is more convenient, frankly, than like having to like deal with the cables and and go through the RF or not the RF. I guess you use the AV cables, but yeah. still, it's what's well, a yeah. seventy-two pin connector thing? That's Ugh. the real pain in the butt because the you know people blew on Nintendo cartridges, thinking it would make it okay. That's not the problem. The problem is it's an engineering defect with the seventy-two pin cable where it like pushes down on it and eventually like breaks the seventy-two pin connector in there from the the pressure on top of it so like you're you keep mashing it back in hoping to get a good uh connection with all 72 pins and it's just super quirky so like that exists it doesn't matter if i get top loader or you know front loader like that problem absolutely exists if you're playing on old hardware so i i think just to avoid that it would be awesome noise what are you up <laughs> to this week I am fundraising, which is very fun. Let me tell you, Simone, there's nothing better Sounds than like fundraising. Enjoy. It is so much fun. I I love it. Um, seriously, though, we're um, we're about to do our second uh, big push with fundraising, and we are going to very specifically target engineers, uh, tech people, and we're going to target a uh, really big privacy message. We're going to have a slate of ads that are going to be coming out about that uh, really soon. So looking forward to that. Awesome. Christina, just writing and working on some uh, some various features and things like that, and uh, trying to trying to find interesting stuff to write about. It's getting slow out there. Yeah, this the, these last couple of weeks have just been like, huh, eh, a lot <laughs> lot going on in the world. Let me tell you lot that going on, yeah. lot uh, going on, the world, no. lot going on in the world. Give me, give me a, give me a new computer. Give me, give me a new iPhone, please. Give me something. Give me something to work with here. <laughs> 
world. Can yeah, I, I, pl- can please, I tell please. you all something I am doing this week that's a little more fun than that? Sure, I got sure. a Super Nintendo hack of Zelda Link to the Past <gasps> that they swapped out Link uh, for Zelda. So you play oh God, a noise. Zelda rescuing Link, and I got a ROM hack of it, and it's uh, so it goes into the original SNES. So it's a real SNES cartridge. You plop in and you play a Zelda and you rescue Link and um, Motherboard's so cool. gonna be writing a story about it soon. It is awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, is, is, awesome. Is, is the ROM file available or do you? Is it only available on cartridge? No. Yeah, you can get the ROM file out there. There's a link somebody showed it on my Twitter. Um, but for me, it's just not magical if you're not totally. playing on uh, Super Nintendo. And you can play Su- Sailor Moon Another Story that way too, and it's great because right now you need video games to play. Like just like you gotta read the news that they need something to do and there are very few games out right now noise i'm gonna be what am i god nothing is happening <laughs> i'm not doing anything i'm i'm, I'm i uh what am i uh, i'm i'm editing out 58 instances not all 58 uses of the phrase there was a from my book I I I had a brutal awakening when I had the copy edit returned to me and just found just freaking every page there was a oh. there was a there was a bang there was a a hand maybe uh, touching his hand I don't know teasing teasing here <laughs> um there was a lot of things going on in that book and I'm going to do some restructuring to uh make my prose more lively um and yeah, still enjoying that that living alone life, watching as many murder shows as I can to make sure that I <laughs> never ever sleep comfortably in this house again. When does it, when does your new roommate arrive? The thirtieth. <laughs> I hope she's ready I, for that. I, I, That's yeah, gonna be have a song a ready to to greet her to the Casa de uh, Rochefort. I've been talking to myself so much these last <laughs> couple weeks. It is getting yeah. real bad up in here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just a lot of narration happening. I hope it's making me a better writer and a better person. Yeah, you can only hope that uh, this novel will do so well. You'll be able to follow the path of Neil Stevenson, whose first books, he was not popular enough that he actually had to listen to an editor. And so Snow Crash and Diamond Age have edits. And then he got so popular that he doesn't have to listen to any editors. And now he only produces books by the pound. So That sounds that one, perfect. Yeah, I hope you can one day rise to that same level, Simone. So you don't have to listen to some stupid editor like Harshing your buzz. Yeah, man. I, you know, if I get to that level, I won't even like listen to you guys when we podcast. I'll just yeah. record my part <laughs> separately, and then we'll just well, I mean, splice fair. it in. I mean, I think that would be great. I, yeah. I would definitely listen to that podcast. I think yeah. it would be too. All right. I don't think much would change. <laughs> <laughs> Settled. Boom. Ship it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rocket. Where can I find you online, Christina? <laughs> You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters, the Instagrams, and the Snapchats. Whoa, Brianna. <laughs> Space Cat Cow on Twitter. Whoa, Simone. <laughs> you can find me online, twitter.com slash doomquasar and youtube.com slash polygon. This has been Rocket, episode 107. Thanks for listening. If you want to leave a review, I'll remind you only three times a year. Uh, but we do appreciate it. So this episode is terminated. 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 <laughs> <laughs>